Welcome to the Red Hot Chili Prepper Podcast. This is episode number 60. I'm Suzanne Sherman, Jeff Johnson joining me. Today, we're going to talk about when disaster strikes, when it really strikes. Now, Jeff, we're going to talk about fires today. And as far as fires are concerned, be it a home fire, a wildfire, I think you fall into two categories of people. Those who have experienced it and lived through the terror and those who are afraid of it happening to them. Today, I went from the former category to the latter, and we'll get into that. I want to remind you first, you can follow both podcasts and my blogs at SuzanneCSherman.com. We have a podcast page that will take you directly to the launching point for the Wasatch Report, as well as this one, the Red Hot Chili Prepper podcast. Please, when you get there, when they take you to Anchor, rate the apps, whatever one you use from the Anchor launching point, share our shows, please tell your friends about it. You can support us directly from the home pages of both podcasts as well as the home page for my website. You can make a donation there. I also have a book page there. You can find the direct link to Federalism, How Decentralization Can Save America and the Red Hot Chili Prepper Survival Series. Thus far, the two installations are focusing on food preservation and storage and how to consume what you have stored for your family during an emergency situation or during the fallout time afterwards. Also, we have a link for freeze dryers, Harvest Right Freeze Dryer affiliate link is there. That's another way to help me out if you're looking into getting into freeze drying and you buy one through my affiliate link. I will help you with tech support, ideas, planning, everything for it. That's another way to help me out as well. Jeff, the last show we did, we were talking about my adventure in the emergency room in Grand Junction, Colorado. And now we have this. Maybe I need to change the name to, I don't know, uh, Doomsday Debbie or Calamity Jane, Apocalypse Annie. (laughs) You know, this is this has been a crazy month. And a lot of people I just want to before we get started, I want to thank everybody who's reached out to me. Uh, I want to thank Andy in particular, who ordered two cords of firewood to be delivered to my home as soon as we get a place ready to store it. I'll share with you, I lost all all my firewood in this event, and uh, those who have extended their support and offers to help really appreciate it, brought food to the house, people in my community, my neighbor who came over and worked with his heavy mach- uh, machinery for hours alongside firefighters, uh, making sure all the embers were, were buried and, and put out. But Jeff, this is something, like I said, you either know somebody it's happened to, you've gone through it, or, or it's one of your biggest fears. This was this was my biggest fear living out here. You and I had done a show about wildfires, specifically because that was your fear that a wildfire would come in and cause problems for your structures. Well, in reality, you had a fire in one of your structures, and that threatened your primary residence. And had that show not taken place and you taken those ideas and put it into practice, you might have lost just about everything. Yeah. And, and, you know, one of the things that really happens after fire is is the, the mental impact it has on people. And unless you've gone through it, you just don't know, particularly if you don't know what the cause is. We're going to talk a little bit about it, but we're not going to get too much into the investigation. I don't know if it's officially closed yet. Uh, but I, I do have some uh, commentary that I will share on a future show about how the investigation was handled at the point. Um, so I, I think, Jeff, let's just let me just start with what happened and then we'll kind of unpack this and tell people how we prepared for it, 
what went right, what beyond my control also saved us because it was uh, when when you live out in a remote area, you already are under the understanding that you're pretty much on your own if there's an emergency. We had an, a medical emergency, you know, when I lived in, in my old home in San Martin, California, and uh, one woman had fallen down at my home. She was morbidly obese and couldn't get back up. And fire and rescue was there probably within 10 minutes. It probably took at least you know, 10 or 15 for the first sheriffs to arrive. But what we really needed was the fire trucks. And that took significantly longer time, again, through no fault of their own. It's it's just the nature of the beast where I live. So Jeff, this is uh, essentially what happened. I think a lot of people, because of the Facebook posts and the proximity of the fire to the home and the pictures we showed, uh, were under the impression, also due to some poor writing choices we made, I probably should have waited and my pro son probably should have on on announcing what happened and the description and the home itself was saved. So we apologize for any confusion. Again, it's the stress of the moment and probably some poor word choices. The home is fine and all of us are fine. And some of the rules that we talk about, Jeff, the number one rule of survival is what we talked about this with Dr. Arthur T. Bradley, who's been on our show, get out of the way. And that is really something that we had to uh, that was a line we had to cross. When do we get out of the way and when do we try to uh, escape and when do we stop valiantly trying to preserve the home, which was our, you know, where we wanted that fire to stop. So <clears throat> essentially, excuse me, I'll, I'll tell you also, my voice is very hoarse. Uh, I was exposed to a significant amount of smoke. My lungs are getting a little congested and so I'm dealing with that as well. But Jeff, one of the things we've talked about, and this is advice you give as a firefighter, my first line of defense was having a perimeter around a home. Do you want to share a little bit of uh, your expertise and how important that is? We talked about it during our other show about wildfires. Uh, you can go back and find that one. But just to recap, when you have a structure that you're near a lot of woods, or in your case, you have a lot of sagebrush and other things that are very, very flammable, uh, that sagebrush will go up very fast and very hot. You want to keep all that cut back away from your house a, a good distance. I'm not quite sure for how far away you did, but it still got warm up by your house, even with you cutting it back. Um, you might consider in the future, if you ever put something back there, to cut back further and make it a, almost like a lawn. Keep it cut down very tight to the ground. That way you don't give the fuel to the fire to get fringe on your house. You were lucky also, and they had a stream there between your house and the home that also added a natural fire break. But at the same time, the flames will cross over, embers cross over, and we'll talk more about it. You're considering some changes to your house to make it more fire resistant. These are things that we can talk about further in the show, but you want to keep fire load and the fuel for the fire cut back as far as you can. If you have woods up to your house, you may want to consider getting rid of some of the trees, push it back away from your house, and definitely uh, get something to and remove all the underbreath, the old uh, leaves and the old branches, all that stuff that's on the ground that is going to burn rather quickly because it's all dead and dry. So keep pushing it back. Give yourself some room and that will hopefully save your structures. Yeah. And and I was one of the things that was very apparent when the firefighters came out here was the fact that I had mowed so much of my backfield down. The, you know, as much as I could mow without destroying my, my tractor, my lawn tractor, because it's not designed to do that kind of 
that kind of work, but I would keep the mowing deck up as high as I could. I And I was familiar with that area because I'd been keeping it down. So I'd cleared all kinds of debris, but there were some parts that the ground was just so uneven. I couldn't mow. And that part really didn't have an effect that was farther back from the house. But I probably kept a, an area that was probably 300 by 200 feet square mowed down on one side of the, the driveway. On the other, I had a had a, a chicken coop back there and all of the birds were able to get out except for two. But I kept that gra grass very short. I had just mowed it the week before with gas prices being what they were. I thought, gosh, do I really want to go to the expense of you know, keeping this grass short right now, or do I focus on other things and something that just told me this is, this is important. This is essential. So I did keep everything mowed, uh, and the grass very short, but the grass by that front chicken coop was ex what I had just mowed the week before. And we will be sharing some pictures. I have some images where you could see the burn marks stopped within feet of where the tall grass surrounding the creek. Now, this is where the terrain got too steep where I could no longer mow safely. And even then I would try to use a weed whacker, but I literally had feet to spare. If the flames had gotten to that part of the grass, it would have jumped the creek because right now we're in a significant drought. The creek is very low and there's a lot of uh, tall green grass, but the fire was so hot, it wouldn't have been an effective barrier. And what happened was, let me just let me just get into exactly what happened. We'll take a quick break for our friends at Anchor FM and now start fresh with going on. Uh, what happened and how the events unfolded. We'll be right back. We cooking wise tonight. Open our eyes tonight. But we won't cause we don't really want Welcome back to the Red Hot Chili Prepper podcast. I'm Suzanne Sherman. Jeff Johnson's here with me and we're reassessing and reconstructing the events of what happened when I lost a significant amount of my uh, preparedness uh, supplies, not all of them, but some very essential aspects of it, as well as three uh, barn structures. Thank God my my home and even more importantly, my boys and I are, are safe. But this took event, this this event took place on Sunday and I actually had some friends coming over to my home, uh, some from California where I used to live, a gal I went to high school with and, and her husband and some friends in the community. They had just shown up. Now, when you get to my house, Jeff, you've been here and you've been to events at my house before. When you park in my driveway, you have a direct line of sight to my motor home and the back barns and every, all the uh, buildings in the back field there. And my friends had just arrived and everything was fine. No signs of smoke, no other indications whatsoever. As we were getting situated and sitting on my porch, 
Uh, about 10 minutes had passed and all of a sudden I, I came inside to get a few food items and drink items ready for my guests. And my son came screaming from my room. What is all that smoke? I've never heard such terror in his voice uh, before. He's 21 years old. And we said, oh, what is this? So we ran outside and looked in the back and my back barn uh, that contained my motor home, a horse trailer, some farming implements, another, an old car and other equipment um, was fully engulfed in flames. And we just looked at that in shock. And my, my son had even said, wow, I considered for a second, can I even save the motor home? That thought lasted a nanosecond for both of us because it was obvious that this was just a complete inferno. So your first thought is immediately, what can we save? And immediately the answer is absolutely nothing. Hopefully your home. And, uh, we had enough notice to know that we could save our lives. We could get out of the way if we had to. So the next thing we tried to do was call for help, 911. If you have a, a, char a phone on a charger, you know, back in the day, Jeff, we grew up where it was easy to find our phones because they were always on the walls, remember? Now with these cordless damn phones, I'm always looking for them. Thank God it was on its charger and fully charged. I was able to call and uh, get help. But the problem was the line was dead when I first tried to use it. And I thought if that was dead, maybe my cell phone won't work either. So when that didn't work, I called again, but my son instructed one of his friend that was here to drive down the road to where he could get signal. So at least he could get help. I was able to get a signal. So the friend stayed here, but then the line went dead. But at least by that point, I was able to get the message out that we had a very large fire and there were multiple explosions. So uh, we were able to call back, get, get, get some help. And the first to arrive were some sheriff's officers, a state trooper who was actually a, a younger man who grew up in this area. So he was helping us. And the first thing he did, Jeff, was uh, start putting hoses together from my front, front hydrant, him and my son. The boys started gathering up hoses. And uh, we knew at that point that the best we could do was to try and keep the fire from coming to the house. Now, this was one thing they had told me too, Jeff, as a firefighter, and you find out that the building is completely destroyed. Sometimes there are some unrealistic expectations from the property owners that you can save that building and what's in it. Is that, that something you would come across? At times, yes. I think that most people uh, have an expectation. They think the fire department is going to be there immediately. Yeah. It, it, you, you and I, by choice, live out in the country. And that being said, we have significant times before the fire department gets, is even going to get on scene. And most times, and in this case, uh, your structure was fully engulfed. And I would say, I don't know. I saw some of the video, but I'm guessing that probably the roof had already probably come down before they even got there. Oh, yeah. It, it, was, it was a total loss before they even arrived. So when uh, here, if we were in the, that situation, rolling up in a truck, our number one priority at that time is defend the existing structures that are still untouched make sure that they do not catch fire. That is the number one priority that way at that point because the structure's a loss. At this time, you're just going to go in there and just put water on it just to put it out. And I did see that video where uh, I think it was you. Yes, you and I were talking on the uh, on video conference, and I was giving you some pointers. I was yeah. talking about the generator and power. Did it have power back there? You might want to cut the, you know, we were discussing things for safety for the firefighters, and I they were at that time trying to keep it from going up the hill. 
because the fire was traveling towards the hillside and you're going to go up there. And if it had gone up there, it would have been a rather large wildfire at that point. They would have had uh, multiple departments in there just to put that out. It's one of these things you, you got to manage expectations living out in the country. We're just not going to get all of these uh, fire departments there quickly. At this point, keep yourself safe. If you had a little space, you were starting to put water on your house to kind of defend it before the fire department got there. That's all you can do at this point. Had it cross the house, you would have to, at that point, just start thinking about getting everything up, up to the road and into safety at that point. Exactly. And at the, the most you can do when it's a situation like that is obviously buy yourself time. And, you know, the interesting thing is the, the motor home I had always kept full of propane and full of fuel because that was supposed to be our escape vehicle in the event of a wildfire. But the contingency that didn't fit into that, that plan was if my, if my RV was in fact the cause of a wildfire, the inverse of the situation. And I'll tell you, Jeff, that never occurred to me because I took such good care in maintaining it. And again, we'll touch on a little bit of what, what we suspect happened because my son is in the motorsports industry and his friends in the motorsports industry have reached out and told us that there was a very common problem with the manufacturer of this. Um, so this is something that is well known. It was not well known to us. The RV was in fact disconnected from everything. And as far as I knew, all power was off. There was no live current in this whatsoever. It was in fact scheduled to go to the dealership for full safety inspection and some repair work yesterday <laughs> on Wednesday. So uh, we're recording this right now on the 8th of September on a Thursday. And I know it'll be up in a couple of days, but that that was just an interesting turn of events. So yeah, Jeff, we know living where we do, help is going to take longer. One time there was a police emergency here and a person had to uh, be escorted off my property. I did call police. It took them an hour to get here. And I was safe. You know, they were they were they were called to keep the person that was a threat alive. That was a that was the issue there. The point being is help is going to take longer than you think. So be it your personal security. Are you able to defend yourself? Are you able to escape? Are you able to buy yourself time if help needs to come? Because clearly my goal was to protect the house. I kept the back areas mode as best I could. So here's what happened now. My guest had arrived. My son and his friend were trying to set up a slip and slide. It was very, very hot here. We've had like a week of 100 degrees and they were trying to put up a slip and slide. So again, they had clear view to the back barn there no signs of smoke, no indication. When they came back to the porch, where now that's facing the opposite direction and shielded from the house, my son told me he heard, this was at night, we started piecing things together, a sound, whoop. As a firefighter, Jeff, what does that sound tell you? I'm not quite sure. It could be a, a number of things. I didn't hear it, so I'm not quite sure what it was. It sounds like that something um was on fire it got some oxygen and it took off is what i'm guessing i that's to, to me that's what it sounds like but again without being there i don't know yeah oh, and so it, it was interesting because the day before i had been working in there to clean it and prepare it i've been in there a lot to get it all ready to go on this trip and uh what we're learning now is was this was electrical in origin and again a common problem we'll get more into the details and my son had been in there uh, not long before to look for some solo cups. We wanted some more cups for the guests. And he had gotten some from the guest house and went in there, checked the drawers, 
and uh, looked in, in the cupboards for some cups and exited. And that was literally minutes before we had been camping in this thing just a few weeks before. If this had happened when we were in that, there's no way any of us would have gotten out. My son was sleeping in the cab over the engine bay. How you can, they have beds set up in a Class C motorhome. He would have had no chance to escape whatsoever. Had this happened at night, we would not have known about it in time because we would have been asleep to reach it possibly before it got to our home. So um, this was this was a miracle, I will say, and a blessing if it was going to go. That first of all, we weren't in it. Second of all, it happened during the day. Third of all, it happened in the day when we were here to see it. Also, finally, that it did not happen at night when it would have been too late to even possibly escape. So um, some of the other things, Jeff, I wanted to cover were the mowing of the grass bought us some time. It felt like it took an eternity for the trucks to finally arrive. The state trooper I mentioned earlier, he hooked up that hose and he was hosing off the area as best he could. My son was running buckets of water back there as well. And also we were now, as as they were you know, trying to form a, a liquid barrier as best they could. I am moving vehicles now. It's like, okay, if this, if this crosses over and climbs up the grass and gets to our workshop garage, my first inclination, Jeff, was just to freeze. I, I'm just not going to do anything. But I realized within, you know, a few seconds, I've got some valuable assets in the garage. I have a truck and I have a Subaru and I've got people that can drive them off the property if we have to escape. So I removed my vehicles from the garage and park them up farther on the property away from the fire on very green, wet, wet grass. That would buy me time to move them later if I had to, and we had to use them to escape. So we moved that, and then I also grabbed a basket of clothes and my laptop computer. Now, people will think, why would you grab a laptop computer? Because that's my gateway to help. That was my gateway to my insurance company, my gateway to my family, my bank. Everything I needed was in there. Was it on my phone as well? Yes, but this just made it a little bit easier. And so I, I placed that in my truck. We moved our farm equipment. My younger son was helping move things as well. So that's what we did once everything started. And uh, when we get back after a break from our musical sponsor, Roxanne, I'll tell you what happened when the evacuation order was given. We'll be right back. In your mind, then left you behind. I told you the tables would turn. Now don't look to me for sympathy, cause baby, that bridge has been burned. Don't try to explain the dead and the pain. Like always, your words are just hollow. Music for this program has been brought to you by Roxanne, courtesy of Rat Pack Records. Radio Silence is the album and is available on Amazon, iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, RatPackRecordsAmerica.com, and RoxanneBand.com. Clearer, looking in the rearview mirror. So we 
All right. Special thanks to our musical sponsor, Roxanne, where we left off Jeff here on the Red Hot Chili Prepper was we had a state trooper that was trying to save the house. He stood there with a garden hose, spraying some water down between the home and the fire. We have a bridge that connects the two properties because they're separated by a creek. So I have one long, narrow parcel of land. And uh, it's essentially divided in half with residential structures on the side facing the street closest to the street. And then the uh, farm buildings, I had a, a standing chicken coop, a lot of wood stored back there, a hay barn, which was metal, which is untouched. And then the main barn that had the motorhome, horse trailer and everything else where the fire originated again, total loss. So the officer gives the order, evacuate, evacuate, evacuate. That's the point, Jeff, where you don't go through the house running where all your stuff is. You don't even have time to, to get out go bags for everybody. And Jeff, I didn't even bother. We had a couple backpacks that we always keep around. But at that point, I just grabbed one basket of clothes. I had some precious metals in case we lost everything. I threw in there as well with my go bag, my sons. And, you know, all of us could get off the property. And that's where we got ready to go right then. And if you're the praying kind, this is for you. If you believe in good thoughts, positive vibes, this is for you. But I prayed my hardest to have myself, my my um, home saved at that point. I was very thankful and expressed gratitude that my boys and I were safe. But please, could we please save the home? Within a minute, the fire trucks arrived. And that was about all the time we had left before the fires caught the tall grass that I was was not able to mow. And uh, <clears throat> the firefighters instruct told me at the time, which I told you, Jeff, that we can't save any of the buildings, but we're going to try and prevent the fire from spreading, meaning save the house. I said, perfect. That's all. That would be fantastic if you could do that. If you can't, we're ready to go. You know, it's really hard, Jeff. You have normalcy bias. You just think, wow, do I really have to evacuate? And when it came time to that, when it came to that point, I, I looked at things around the house and assumed I would never get them. There were a couple of things I wanted to grab, but at that point, I, I couldn't imagine taking any time away. I just wanted to focus on keeping the boys safe and getting out of there. The number one rule in survival is get out of the way. And this was the time to get out of the way. And fortunately, right then the trucks showed up and they were focused on keeping this, the fire from spreading to the neighboring uh, properties that got on, you know, damage. There was some brush fire issues there, but there was also a road that had been carved into the hill above my house. And that was effective as a fire break. We were very fortunate, Jeff. Yes, and you are now uh, considering doing some changes to your your house. I, I think we could just get into that a little bit too, because that'll help in the future if there's a wildfire. I mean, which is a real concern in your mm -hmm. uh, neck of the woods. And I mean, you don't have a structure back there now, but in other people's cases, they may have a structure near their house that if it caught on fire, it would definitely put their house in, in danger. And we talked about house construction uh, on that other show. If you're going to be replacing a roof, you might consider steel roofs because steel does not catch on fire. So you might want to put a steel roof on there. And there's um, fiber concrete uh, siding. And you, sh you sent me a demonstration of the different uh, types of siding. And that mm -hmm. was one of them. And they, had, they built a fire in between these four different types of siding. All of them caught on fire and the vinyl siding melted and they started to scorch the wood behind. But that fiber concrete siding, it, it was a little discolored, but it never even caught fire and the wood behind it never even uh, singed a little bit. So there's, there is 
products out there that will help your house withstand these uh, fires that might come from a, a an adjacent property or from a wildfire. You might not think you have a, you might live in a place where you think you're not going to, you don't have a barn or anything else, but you might have a next door neighbor and that house might catch on fire and that might put yours in danger. So think about your uh, replacing stuff. If you have an existing house, if you're going to build a new one, consider putting some of these products on immediately and that, then your house will be much safer for the future. Yeah. And this is something I've been meaning to do for some time. I've been trying to get somebody again because of all these slowdowns we've had, supply chains issues, and uh, having an issue trying to get people to come out here. And now it's even harder because of the gas prices increasing, and uh, it's been very difficult. I had an I had a problem with a broken pipe in the guest house. This is this has been the worst year for me. <laughs> this has just been one thing after another. We're not going to turn this into a pity party, but. You know, I, I've really been experiencing trying to get people to come out here and do work in this remote area. I did decide that I want to do what I can to get this this concrete fiber composite on the side of the house. And rather than trying to replace the RV, replace the barn right now is just fortify my home. The good news is the roof I have, we, there were a lot of roofing materials, the shingles that were used for this roof, because the guy I bought the home from actually built this place himself. And there were some uh, shingles that were stored in back, back there. The fire was so hot, the engine bay, the motorhome melted. Uh, wheels on the car that we had back there all melted. Aluminum tools look like modern art right now. My son was gathering some of those. That's how hot this fire was. As hot as this fire apparently was, and again, it was being fueled by, we had a propane tank. You could see the hole where it was allowed to vent. So as this fire's going, it's being fueled by propane, which is just a, a massive, massive uh, flames. But the roofing material was intact and undamaged. And that's the material I have on my roof, so on my home. So that was very comforting. I don't have to replace that. But what I will do before I replace anything in the back is prioritize what I'm going to do now. And that is going to reside my home with uh, something that's going to provide us with more fire protection from that. And it's interesting, Jeff, my neighbor has uh, these, uh, it looks like steel shutters that can lower like those little pull down shades. And he has those on the outside of his home. And I was wondering, you know, if you have that, because his home's concrete. He built this. He had this built. It was a custom design home. They tore down an old farmhouse there. Because one thing I was curious about, if there is a really hot fire and you live in an area, you know, like I do with, with a pasture all around me and, and the sage, will your windows get so hot that they will shatter or melt like the glass did here? And perhaps buying some extra time would be covering those. So I'm going to look into that as well and ask him about that and the source where he, he got that. That might be something I want to do as well. But I've, I've lost my redundancy, folks. I don't have my RV as an extra shelter now. Um, my guest house, I've, I've got to shore up. That's out of commission. I could use that as a place to sleep. The horse trailer I had uh, was going to be another source if we had to escape or store something and have a shelter. That's gone as well. So now I've really got to focus on hardening and protecting my home from wildfires here. Do I want to go into having uh, my insurance company for provide me from hotels, uh, provide me hotel rooms and living uh, with people and imposing on them? No, I don't want to. So that's that's what we're looking at. It's it's gratitude. It is also just 
sheer, uh, it's, it's very terrifying to think how close just but serendipity we could have been in that motor home when it, when it came. And we'll get into more details, but we are, we've been told that there is an issue with four vehicles and electrical fires. And this particular issue has affected 14.9 million vehicles. And we'll be talking about that more on other shows, but we had no recall because the chassis was sold to another manufacturer to create the the RV. Uh, We're still looking into this, but we did everything we could and it did save the home. It wouldn't have been enough, but for a couple things, and then we'll wrap up the show. First of all, we had some monsoons a few weeks ago. Had we not had those monsoons, the only thing we could have done was literally run for our lives. So some of the things that we did right, Jeff, I always have the keys to my vehicles. I have a set of hooks by my front door and I was able to grab them. I didn't have to dig through purses. I didn't have to go wondering where I'd set them. The keys are always by my door for a reason. And each vehicle has its own hook. The vehicles are always fully gassed up and ready to go. So we were able to, if we had had to drive miles away on the road in a wildfire, we could have done that. So that was something we, we did right. I did have, again, some preps back there. Now I'm going to have to, you know, move my preps around some food preps and share in a different building and kind of spread things out a bit. Yeah. You might want to consider building some sort of storage, like some cabinets. They could even look like very nice cabinets. And inside those cabinets, uh, uh, hang your go bags. So in a situation like this, where you don't have time to put together one, put your clothes and all that stuff in there and just put it inside that cabinet and you can use it for a mudroom. So when you come in, you can take your shoes off. You each have a cabinet, put your boots in there, you know, just make it look nice. And you can store stuff there that in an emergency, you're just grabbing on the way out the door because you're leaving right now. You know, I really like that idea because I do have a mudroom here and I have, you know, jackets and coats and things and heavy boots that people would need if we had to, for example, evacuate in the winter. We can just grab those and do that. And I actually have an old armoire that was from my previous home and I have it storing miscellaneous items outside that I don't really need all the time, some canning jars. But I think what I'm going to do is repurpose that and put some go bags in there so we can just run outside. It's on the porch grab them and they're ready to go. Right now I've had them in my closet because I moved them. They're difficult to get to right now because we just haven't kept them in the vehicles at all times because then that also invites theft because people see stuff and we have a lot of grab and go issues out here. So you're trying to manage all these things, but I think that's another change I'm going to make. When the wood gets delivered, thank you again, Andy. I do have a metal hay barn and some of the things we're going to do, I've got friends with a bobcat and I have friends with earth movers we're going to actually make a road and clear off all the area and debris and uh, burdock that's grown around there because we really haven't been using that. But clear that, store all the wood in that hay barn. Heaven forbid if there's a fire in the hay barn with that wood, it's not going to spread from that metal building. Or if there's another fire like that, a wildfire, uh, our wood will be protected because I, I had probably 11 cords of wood when we purchased this house. It was part of the it was part of the purchase. We, we included that I, or I paid extra to include that. And I'd probably gone through less than half of it. So it was a huge loss. But again, it could have been a lot worse. So what I have to do now is prioritize what do I do with what we get from insurance and, and you know, what I have to wait for. It's a bummer. 
I wanted to take that RV on a trip in October. But you know what, Jeff? If I had gone on that trip in October, it might have happened when I was sleeping in it then. So again, I, I have full belief that everything happens for a reason. And what happened to us was a miracle because we're all saved. And that's all that's really important is that everyone is safe. I've never experienced a fire. I've never lost a thing. So I can't, I can't even imagine what it's like. And there's a lot of people out there have lived through what you've lived through. Having been a firefighter, I've seen the effects it has on people. I, I get it, but I don't get it because I, it's not happened to me. But in the end, all those things are things that can be replaced. If you had lost a family member, that's irreplaceable. And so that you're all safe is the number one priority. Yeah. And it's interesting how things can affect you. My, my, one of my good friends in town and she came up and brought us food has been so supportive. Uh, she had just moved her beehives back here and with about a week or so before, just a few weeks previous, I had been taking some pictures and sharing pictures of them. The charred grass was literally within feet of her hives. And I apologized to her. I called her. I said, I'm so sorry. She said, she of course didn't care at all about the hives. And she said, the bees will fly away and we'll catch them another time. And if they don't, they're, you know, you guys are what's important. And she was fantastic. But the bees were safe. But the next morning I went out there and there was a bucket that had some water in there. And one of her bees was in there that had freshly gotten trapped, you know, when they first get in the water and they're flying, trying to fly and the water's moving around. So anyway, I was able, I was able to dig this bee out of the water and save it. And it just reminded me of seeing people going through. And I know you can't compare a bee to a family heirloom, but you see people finding a cherished piece of silver or something like that and being so glad to find something uh, that remains in the ashes. I just, you know, saw this uh, bee that was alive, that was, uh, I could save that one, that one little item, that one little spirit. And it just, you know, it was such a morale booster. The next day, Rocky Mountain Power was here and put up a new pole for the power line. And that was also great. Also want to give a big shout out to uh, a local electrician. His name was Lance and he came out here. The The community just came around uh, the, lo the bishop from the ward down the street showed up immediately. What can I do? Came back later. What can I do? And I said, I was told I need to put water on this fire throughout the night, you know, the ember, so it doesn't flare up again because they can't stay here all night. And I don't have water right now. There was something happening to the electrical and they told me to get an electrician. I don't know where to start. And he goes, oh, there's one right down the road. Be right back. Within 10 minutes, he came down with an electrician he worked on it for an hour, maybe a little bit longer, and restored our ability to get water. So we had water to drink. We had water to to defend our property if the if the you know flames came up again. And it was also another huge morale booster for us. Otherwise, we would have had to sit there and just watch for fire overnight with no water. Now I did have drinking water on hand, not as much as I would like to have had. But again, this would not have been a place, a time where we would have need water for weeks on end. But it was a reminder to me, I need to go out and get more water. The other thing is one of the friends that was here was complaining because he couldn't wash his hands with water. One thing I have done, and I even advised a survival expert who was a guest on my show one time, is she admitted she hadn't thought of it. When you finish a bottle of shampoo or liquid soap or liquid laundry detergent, instead of throwing that out, fill it with water. 
then you have an ability to at least get some soapy water on your hands and not and not uh, get into your drinking water supply. So I think we got into a lot, Jeff. Later on, we'll get into a little bit more on another show about how the investigation was handled. I have some issues. Overall, I have a tremendous amount of gratitude for the state trooper that came up and helped us out. Uh, I have some other commentary for <laughs> one of the sheriffs that was here. Uh, the fire investigator uh, did a great job. The firefighters were uh, fantastic. So, uh, and my neighbors who all showed up in the community that showed up. So a lot of thanks also to those that have helped. A lot of people are reaching out asking how they can help. What do I need? I have insurance. I have a roof over my head. As we talked about at the beginning of the show, this has not been an easy month for me. I had to take a trip to the emergency room. Uh, that was not covered. I have a deductible. I'm not putting my hand out. But if you have not purchased one of my books and have meant to, if you know anybody that could benefit from my books where I share advice in this show, like we share on the show on how to save up for food, doing some more shows on basic preparedness, please purchase, go out and get some books. That will also drive traffic to the books on Amazon. That activity keeps Amazon promoting these books and out there. I'm not asking you to just hand me money. I'm asking you to purchase something that will give you value, that will give your friends value. If you're interested in constitutional history and how observing that can help our country today, Check out my book, Federalism, How Decentralization Can Save America, Comprehensive Survival and Preparedness, The Lost Frontier Handbook, uh, and then again, our Food Preservation Strategies and Recipe Books. All of these can help you. I'm imploring you. This is how you can help me. Get the books. Get a book for your friend. If you don't even want to spend money, they're free on Amazon, on Kindle Unlimited. You can get them from there. So People have asked how they can help. If you have a popular podcast, you have a big following, share the books, talk about the books and do that. I'm not asking for a handout. I'm asking you to purchase something that would give you value. Any final thoughts, Jeff? Just be ready. Just be prepared because you were enjoying a Labor Day weekend and disaster struck. And you never know. So be ready, prepare, and hopefully disaster will never strike you, but if it does, you'll be ready for it. You know, we, we talk about it all the time. The most important asset you have is between your ears. The knowledge you can, you have, you take with you everywhere. Even if your preps go up in flames, your most important prep is knowledge and the survival mindset. I went from sitting down to having company, a few cocktails with my friends and barbecue cookout to uh, absolute survival mode. Uh, I went from my first inclination to uh, can we save it to panic? What do we do? Freezing to, okay, now we got to do what we've gotten ready for. And my friend that was here, the guest, the mom told me I was so impressed with how you and your boys worked together. We coordinated everything. You do this, you do this, get that vehicle. I'll get this vehicle and before the before the trucks even arrived, we had all the vehicles out of harm's way, a clear escape plan, all the cars pointed in the direction if we had to evacuate the property. Preparation is key. It buys you time. If you can't save your stuff, 
you can save yourself. So please follow us again and, and stay with us on this journey and help out in any way you can if you're so inclined. I want to thank everybody that reached out and thank you for listening today.